Hi, I'm Michael Quinnett, Chairman of Westwitz Mining Limited, ASXWWI. Uh, we're a company that's working on an exciting gold project going into production on the Witz Basin in Johannesburg on the old Durban Rudenport Deep Mine. And we've also got some exciting exploration ground in West Australia in the Patterson Range near the Winnu Rio project. Michael, lovely to meet you. Um, we've not spoken or met before uh, today. Um, so thanks for coming on the show and uh, sharing your story with us. Um, we we can have a little r a romp through this, fairly high level because it's new. Um, and sure. maybe perhaps if you come back on, we can get in, stuck into the detail. Um, can you give me a bit of background on you? What, what, what's your story? Oh, way back, I'm a lawyer by profession, Matt. And um, obviously in Australia, being an Australian lawyer working in um, Securities market ended up working for a lot of exploration and mining companies and other companies. Um, worked for the ASX for three years, came back into private practice and, and got heavily involved more and more in mining until someone asked me in 2007 to take on the chairmanship of this company. So that's pretty much in a nutshell my background. So I've had a, a sort of a, a varied background in, in, in securities law, but also hands-on in, in listed companies. Okay, and ably supported by who? Who's the kind of core team here? active versus just nameplate? Well, when we got this thing past sort of more um, the legal permitting stage a few years ago, I decided it was time to get someone who actually could run and build a mine into the company. So we recruited um, Yak Van Heerden, Yak Van Heerden, who's a South African mining engineer who's had a lot of experience. He's about 45. He's, he's really ready to take the next step in his career, um, work for all the majors through Africa and running large mines. And, and he's come on board about two and a half, three years ago. And he's the man now running the actual project in Johannesburg. Right. Let's. You, know, you mentioned that you're operating in two jurisdictions. You mentioned uh, the in Western Australia, in the, the, the Patterson Range. Clear, that, that's a farm out. Um, do you want to just give us the kind of ba basic outline of that so we can sort of park that up um, and get on to the kind of matter at hand? Sure. We picked up a lease there before the area became hot in the Patterson Range there in the eastern Pilbara. Uh, we picked that up about three or four years ago. Uh, we did some um, uh, some studies on it. We did some aeromags on it, and we've come up with six or seven really hot targets on it. During that phase of what that uh, during that happening, uh, Rio ended up discovering its Winu prospect, and after a few more uh, backwards and forwards, we've ended up last year entering into a JV farming with Rio. So Rio basically surround our tenement. Um, which is 125 square kilometres in that area, and they've decided they want to drill our target. So uh, that's that's a, a two-stage program that could end up uh, having about $10 million worth spent on it to take an 80% interest. So we've parked that in Rio's ha capable hands, and we're really focused now on South Africa. So they've so given me that again. So they, they, they've got a commitment to spend $10 million bucks on. Did you get any financial benefit from it? Cash up front? Well, we, we, we were paid $150,000 okay. sign-on fee. We get another $250,000 in stage two. But it's not a commitment. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amount that if they spend, the stage one uh, $4 million they have to spend now to earn 51%. If they go to that and want to keep going, then they spend another $6 million to earn the balance to go to 80%. Got it. Okay, fine. Okay, so that, that's... Pretty sort of that's traditional Australian farming agreement. Gotcha. Yeah, of course. Um, so th th that's got a way to run. And then with the with the twenty percent that you would be left with, uh, are you carried on any of that, or would you have to pay your way? We're, ca we're carried to decision to mine. Brilliant. So, okay. Okay. So that, yeah. that's good news. So um, 
So let me just go, if we, if we can just park that up, if you don't mind, because I think there's some sure. value attributed to that or should be attributed to that. I, I don't know what it is. And I, I don't even know if you know what it, what it is, but it's uh, one of those things, Matt, where it's either worth a lot of money or it's worth nothing. We don't know until they put a drilling through. Their commitment as part of the deal is they have to do about 900 meters of drilling this year. So they're setting up to start that drilling soon. And so we should know sometime in the next four or five months if things go well, what's happening there. That's interesting. So that's not a, that's not a whole lot of, a lot of drilling. Is it sort of shallow stuff? Is it? No, that's just. That's just for year one, and they're going to put a few test holes into some of the targets we've got. They can spend more. I mean, they've got, but they've got four years to spend the four million dollars. So right. Okay. Part of the agreement, though, we didn't want them to sit on it for two or three years, so we put into the contract that they had to spend this much, or they had to do this physical drilling this year. So they are doing that. I guess they're sort of intrigued. Um, and so, what's the size of that land package? It's 125 square kilometers. And and how much do they own around you? Oh, they own basically um, around, well, pretty much three sides of us, you know, to the, right. the east, the north, and the west is all of them. I mean, we're sitting about 70 kilometres west of the Winu Fine. So in, in terms of 70 kilometres sounds a long way to some people, but in Australia, Pilbara, it's a very short distance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I guess working on this, your property could inform what they're potentially could see on, on the rest of their property. So, okay, that's, that sounds like a nice marriage of convenience for now. But like I said, let's park it up for now. Let, let's go to South Africa. Now, South Africa is a funny one because um, some people like it, some people don't. It's got a long history of mining gold, uh, you know, um, underground, above ground. It, it, it's a good place to do business or it can be a good place to do business in terms of what you find in the ground. Is it a good place to do business operationally? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, particularly in the, in the, in the mining industry, I mean, the first thing we look for is have we got the expertise and the equipment and the people there? And of course we have them. I mean, Johannesburg, where we're situated, is basically the, the central, downtown central of mining in Africa. I mean, every every sort of reputable uh, firm is there, every reputable um, professional advisor is there, everything, everything comes through there in terms of uh, the mining industry, virtually. So I think we're well placed there. Uh, I also think that, um, you know, South Africa has a very good legal system. Uh, I think sometimes the bureaucracy is a bit lacking as it is in Africa in most places, but the, the legal system is very good. And we've had um, we've had a good experience with, with using that when we've had to, to get what we need. And unions, recruitment, all of that side of things, is, what's that like? Sure. I mean, unions, we're not unionised at this point. We're contracted out, but... Um, we haven't had any issues. I think you, you've got to get to a certain size uh, before you sort of hit that issue. Um, the unions are active there, but they're coming off a very low base. So some of the demands they're making probably in a world context are pretty reasonable. And I think, you know, most of the majors, Harmony, which is mining next door to us, Harmony Gold has sorted all their issues out and have a fairly harmonious relationship with their union. So I don't foresee any major issues. There are certainly no material difference to anywhere in the world, really. Right. Okay. So let's look at the project because it's, it, it can be confusing because so you talk about, you know, um, four phases. Um, and you've got, you've got a, well, you're, you've got a feasibility on, on some of it and you've got some economics on, on, on some of it. Sure. So can you kind of give us a kind of like the highlights people and go, well, what should we be looking at first? And then we'll talk about maybe what, what could be to come. I think what we first look at is um, what, what's really de-risked here in our view is that we have a very um, you know, well understood geological uh, deposit. You know, this is a mine that operated until 20 years ago, um, this area, this immediate area around Johannesburg has produced something like 28 to 30% of the world's known gold to date. So we're talking about a very well understood 
you know, we're not we're not going to go short of gold here. You know, we already have a 4.28 million ounce resource, and we've really only scratched the surface on that in some ways. So, you know, that's the first thing we look at. Then, then in terms of how we mine it, the way this um, resource presents, it's in concentric outcropping reefs. Um, the really rich reefs in the northern part of our lease have been mined extensively over a long period of time. Uh, people, you know, the, the, the old timers, they pulled out of this particular two, uh, this particular historical, uh, it makes up two historical mines that make up our lease, our mining right. Um, they produced 41 million ounces of gold. So a lot of gold came out of these, um, these northern reefs, which are the main reef, main reef leader and south reef. What we're focusing on is the reefs further to the south, the Kimberley Reef and the Bird Reef, with some main reef left, but most of our project is based on the Kimberley Reefs. The Kimberley Reefs sit about two kilometres south of the main reef, and they were virtually untouched. I mean, there's bits and pieces of them have been mined over the years, but they were, they were, they were left alone because they pretty much run at about three to five grams a tonne, which when you're comparing to south reef and main reef was running at 15 to 20 grams a tonne, wasn't that interesting to the old fellows, but you know, in the, in the modern context, it's clearly a very interesting um, um, deposit. What we find though is the way these reefs present, uh, they are they are almost uninterrupted, one to one and a half meters thick. There's concentric bands within each reef package, and you sort of have a very you know, it's very predictable what you're mining. So what we sat down and did was we said, well, what's the best way to attack this? And we thought, well, the best way is to do it in stages. And we're a small company. We don't want to bite off too much too soon. We want to show people that we can walk before we run. Uh, so that's the way we've planned it out. Okay, so you're right. I mean, you're a small company, 65, 70 million uh, market cap. And I, th I think, you know, the, I think the share, the share price has come off a bit. I'm, I'm sort of intrigued to see why um, you, you think that might be. Is it a South Africa factor? Is it the gold equities haven't really responded to the gold price movements. I mean, where's your head at on that? Well, it surprised me. I mean, you know, if you look at our fundamentals, and as you said, we've released a definitive feasibility on stage one of the project, which is a big chunk of the project. You know, it's probably 70% of the project. And we've re released a scoping study on the whole project that showed very robust economics. So if you're looking at it from an objective fundamental, um, you know, financial point of view, this, you know, it's definitely the stock price is, is, is below where it should be. That's I don't think many people would argue with that if you look at the numbers. Um, so you have to sort of look for other reasons. I, I think part of it has been um, the South Africa, some people in particular Australia have a bit of a negative perception of South Africa. It's a perception. It's not necessarily that they've had any direct experience. It's just a perception that runs through. And I think also, um, you know, like all stocks in our position when we're transitioning from exploration you know, fizz, fizz and bubble and into production, there's a bit of trading going on on the announcements. And I think there's a fair bit of um, a fair bit of uh, people in and out of our stock that are looking for share price, quick share price movements, rather than actually looking for long term fundamentals. So that's probably explaining. I don't know. I'm, I, I think none of us really know. But that's what, what you know, we have strong volumes. So I think that sort of indicates to some to some degree that we're being traded a lot. So I guess it's, it's going to be down to you to actually, you know, um, try and promote that narrative that this is a fundamentals story, right? So let's 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 get let's dig into like I said, do you want to keep this fairly high level because it's the first time we've spoken, but let's kind of dig into that component a, a, a bit, which is if I look at some of the numbers that you presented, um, you know, with your with your financial modeling around 1750, it's you know, you've got free cash with, you know, 
over half a billion. The MPV uh, five is, you know, what is it, 225, 230 million, something like that. And the IRR yeah. was sort of post-tax 29%. So it's it, it's solid enough, right? So it's solid, it's solid enough. But I'm interested in the model that you're proposing to do because it's, it's a very Aussie one. So the like North American audience, or European audience perhaps don't see this a lot, which is let's get into production early to one, I guess, reduce dilution going forward for shareholders, but um, to kind of like, pr- proof of concept in, in a way. I mean, so what, what were the options on the table and you know, why have you gone that route? Well, I think the other, the, the, the other way to do it would have been to get our mining rights sorted and then sit down and, and go effectively on to care and maintenance till we sorted out all of the funding and all of the issues. And, and, and that's the conservative way to go. And it's certainly an option we looked at hard. I think the other part of it was that we thought, well, we sat down and talked about it and myself and Yark, and we decided, well, you know, we've got some key players around us. Um, we've got Harmony Gold operating at the Dawncott mine next door to us, in effect. We've got Savanya down the road. We've got other people coming back into the area, Pan-African and others that are looking at the area. And we thought, well, you know, we, we, our plan is not to build a plant. You know, we, we, want, we, we want to take the ore and process. There's plenty of capacity in the area. At the moment, we had a we have a um, fairly um, a small uh, toll trade agreement that'll see us through for the next year or two if we need to with a British based company, an A-listed company that's operating a plant in in the area, and you know that's that's a deal that we have. But longer term, we see a bigger picture where we can actually expand this whole thing. This is our base case that we've done in the scoping study and the and the DFS. So. We see ourselves as, as wanting to, to, you know, to, to work with the bigger companies in the area who have excess capacity and are depleting some of their resources and reserves. So th- that was why we took the, I suppose some would say the gamble, we took the impetus of saying, let's get started and show that we're serious about it. Because, you know, the thing with big companies, if you go to them and start talking to them, most of them are going to say, come back to me when you're mining. You know, you're the little kid in the room, they're not going to listen to you, but if you if you say we are mining, we've actually opened up and we've started, we've raised some money, we're going, do you want to come and look at this seriously? I think you get a lot more attention, particularly in South Africa, where there's a fairly sort of, you know, uh, you know, so, sort of a masculine approach, I suppose I'd say, to how things are done. So that has been successful to the extent that it's resulted in those companies taking notice. And we're in discussions with all, with three of them at the moment about what we might do. So it's too early to sort of go further than that, but that's that. I think that was the, the reason why we've started early, right? And and does that in in terms of the economics around that? Can you, can you give some sort of indication of where your expectation of that that kind of phase one approach will do? Does it is it literally a case of we think we can uh, wipe our nose with this one? We'll we'll cover our GNA, we'll cover our our opex, and it will allow us to kind of rectify some of the issues for the you know the the next phases. Um, yeah, is that, is that is that really the purpose of it? It's going as I said, as you indicated in stages. At the moment, we are mining; we're extracting ore, but the ore we're extracting at the moment is effectively remnant material that was left there oh, in okay. situ, mine closed. So this is not in our mine plan. It's not in the formal mine plan that forms part of our DFS or our scoping study. So, so this is a bonus mining at the moment, which we're doing for as a platform to show proof of concept and where we're going. So it's relatively small scale. We have a relatively small scale um, toll treating agreement in place, and that's what we're working to. Now, you know, that will run, we think, for the next six to eight, nine months. And during that time, we expect to actually 
resolve all our funding issues and resolve uh, a longer term deal with with one or two of the majors. And so that's our strategy. Okay, so so on the money, so obviously you you're looking at sorting out your financing. We'll come on to in a second, but you're looking at five five to eight and a half thousand tons of ore per month for six to nine months. What, what, what does that yeah. do for you in terms of, of, of cash flow? I'm not sure, quite sure of the grades or the well, it's, it's not. It's, it's not in a. It's not in a study, so I can't. Well, it's in internal okay. studies. It's not in a release study. So, but if you work out that we're sort of running at three to four grams a ton, run of mine three point five. You know, you can work out what we're expecting. The recoveries are about ninety two percent. People can sort of. It's not a lot, but it's not insignificant. You know, it's right. material for a company and, size. And tolling, tolling agreements typically in the in the region, they would they would do. How, how do they charge you? They charge usually by ton. Um, so you know that, and then you'll have a gold allocation. So we've toll treated there before. We did some cleanup projects there previously. An open open pit um, material about two or three years ago. We ran for about two years on that, and we've toll treated with Sabanya before at their plant down the road. So we sort of well understand how their toll treating works. It's all it's all costed into our studies. All that uh, cost of treatment is in our studies. Right. Okay. Based so, on based so, on quoted toll treat arrangements. Yeah. Okay. And um, we, we can we can we can take some we can take that and maybe you know do some simple math and try and work out what that could contribute. Um, with regards to um, the other things that you need to do in the meantime, which is obviously get the finances in place. So, you know, what are you looking to raise? What's it for? And where are you in that process at the moment? Okay, well, we've launched stage, you know, the funding request at the moment is in relation to stage one, which we call Quila Shallows, which is the subject of full DFS. So that shows um, a a requirement of 50 million US over a period of three or four years to get it into full production. So that's what we're aiming for in terms of our current funding round. We've engaged a local, we, we actually did a beauty parade of about four or five consultants and we've, we've, we've selected a, a local group called Torum uh, Capital who are based in Cape Town. Um, they've come very highly recommended and I've been very impressed with them. They have sort of gone through, done the, the diagnostic on the DFS, done the, got the company, if you like, you know, finance fit to be presented. Um, but what, what we're doing at the moment is just filling in some um, some contractual and other arrangements, particularly on the toll treat, before we go and formally start um, soliciting offers of finance. We've had a few unsolicited offers, quite a few streaming companies and others have come to us once they know of the project. Um, but what, what we're trying to do is present this in the most professional and de-risked way so that we get the best tier one funding we can obtain. Uh, so that's that's what we're in the process of doing. We're sort of the aim is to have that sort of done in the next next uh, couple of months. Okay, so 50, 50 million bucks, and what's the expectation in terms of the return on capital on that? Well, it's in the DFS, but it's you know it's um, it's it's thirty to I haven't got the figure right in front of me, but it's thirty three to forty six percent depending on the gold price and, and so forth. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, and and then right, so that, that's a kind of kind of phase, phase one. Like I said, there's fairly helicopter stuff at the moment. But um, when you when you then move down into you know um, the main reef package at phase two and bird reef east phase three and uh, quality stage four. I mean, what, what sort of time frame we're we talking about building this out? Because you know, you've got some <clears throat> quite sort of, you know high target high expectations of what this can do for you know you know up to 90 was it 95 85 or 95,000 ounces potentially yeah but we, we've actually got high target that, that's our basic study at the moment i mean and that rolls you know over the next four or five years to full production i mean some of those second and third stages we want to complete the dfs on we haven't done them but we can do that while we're while we can we're starting on on phase one so it sort of just keeps rolling on but what we're also looking at is um 
you know, just to explain that too, in terms of CapEx, when we go to the full phase, the scoping study shows that requirement is 80 million. So it doesn't go up a lot more. You know, it's 70 to 80 million. It doesn't go up a lot more because a lot of the work we're doing now, for example, on Quila Shallows, establishing uh, the, the site, and that all that all works for two of the other stages. Quila Deeps is essentially, which we're calling stage four, is essentially just a deeper extension of Quila Shallows. You know, we're going on the same reef system from eight, instead of we're going down to 800 metres in stage one. So there's, it's just an arbitrary cutoff that in terms of depth, um, but the actual infrastructure, you know, once we get to deplete Quila Shallows, we will be at Quila Deeps. So it's not, so, that, so that's, and the other areas, um, you know, Bird Reef, Bird Reef uh, East, we're intending to actually service that through the same adit that we're doing Coral uh, Shallows through, which by building a drive going north. Uh, the only discrete area we'll open up on its own would be the main reef area, and, and that's got an existing shaft we refurbish. So, so the CapEx doesn't go from like 50 million to 150 million, it goes from 50 million to 70, 75, 80. I think it's actually 70 million US. I'm getting mixed up with Australian dollars. So it's not a big jump forward for the full project. So um, I suppose, and then what we're also looking at, and we've sort of started to, 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 to uh, articulate to the market is that we think with this ore body, we're trying to say to people, look, this is the base case. We, had to, we want to do a base case to see how can we build a robust mine that won't fail. So we've built that and put that in the DFS and the scoping study. What we're doing now is saying we've got, as I said earlier, a 4.28 million ounce resource in Jork now. And we this, this mine closed 20 years ago under old Jork. It was listed on the ASX at that time, the company that had it. It had a Jork resource of 12.8 million ounces. So, you know, there's a lot of gold here that we and, and we can, what we're saying is, look, this probably deserves to go and be exploited in a lot more um, accelerated fashion. So we call it Project 200 and we're saying, well, let's now start doing studies on seeing how we can really grow this thing into a much bigger beast a lot quicker now that we've got the base case taken care of. Okay, so so I understand the, the what do you think the, 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 the blue sky is there? So, so the, the question I asked earlier was just around timing as well. Don't know if you can maybe help me understand that because you, you're starting to tell a story of, 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 of you know, strong fundamentals um, I just want to understand how long I've got to wait for the various phases and stages to Project 200 gets it's delivered. It's probably, it's, it, it's two years till we get to steady state at 25,000 ounces a year, then it's really four years before we get to that sort of 50, 60,000 ounces a year. So it's it's got a fairly slow build up and people, compared to say people in Australia are looking at open pits that, that are opened and mined within months. You know, we had a few open pits in this plan, but we got rid of them because it was too much issues with our interacting with our local community. You know, we're in a populated area, so the open pits caused a problem, so we decided to not pursue them. That was the original strategy. So it does take a bit of time to get into it. And what I'm trying to keep, make sure people keep in context is it's an old mine, uh, Matt, but you can imagine because we're attacking a whole untouched ore body and we're doing it through creation of a water pillar to avoid the existing water uh, flooding in the area, you know, we're actually creating a new mine within an old mine. You know, we, we are... So, so the development work that we're doing, but then we'll provide the platform and go forward position for a 27-year life of mine. I mean, this is not an eight-year pit or a, this, is a, this is a thing that goes for 27 years on the current plan. So and it, it's got enough, that, that depletes 1.6 million ounces of gold and we've already got 4.2. So you can see there's plenty of scope to improve that. But, you know, that, and I think in, look, in looking at our NPVs, again, to put it in context, and I know you're an ex-banker, so you're probably caning me for this, but you know, in doing those models, you get no 
credit really for things past year nine, ten, right? So, so we've got it. We've got a sort of seventeen years of mining in our future, which the Chinese, I'm sure, would have a good look at. But which, in our, under our models, we get no credit for at all. Whereas, if we were doing a pit in Australia that was going for eight years, we'd get every year of that would be effectively a material contribution to the NPV. So, I'm not trying to get too technical on it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's a tough tough balance. We want a long life of mine, but we won't give you credit for. The tailings. Yes. <laughs> um, I suppose we, we want we, everything. We also, also tack onto that the fact that we've got a little bit of a, a bigger lead time than what they're used to, say in Australia in our home market. It's yeah. sort of, but if you're a long-term investor and see this as a long-term investment, or a, you know, I, you know, I, I use the Chinese example, but you know, if you're not looking just for that short-term stuff, but or long-term sustainable mine, we're not going to run out of ore in eight years. You know, we're going to be going for a long time. So right. that's what this opportunity presents so i guess there's two things again banker hat on here which is the the ramp up period as you currently state is steady steady right it's steady it's not it's not ambitious um there's no aggression there you know so in four years time fifty thousand ounces still it's it, it's interesting because you'd be throwing off cash, but it, it it doesn't suggest ambition. And I think that would be something that I'd be I would personally be keen to see if you you can give not just a base case, but a but a kind of you know a a higher case uh, option there as well. See, could you ramp it up any quicker? What what would the economics in terms of the the, the capex requirement be if you were to you know, be a little bit more aggressive, okay? And then the second component that kind of comes in is like, how do you deal with the issue of the fact that you're you know, surrounding houses and town and people in terms of sure. uh, the, I, I guess, job creation, brilliant. Um, in terms of taxes locally, brilliant. But um, it's it's a kind of re- residential urban setting uh, wrapped around you or wrapped around this old mine. Um, you're going to have to deal with, you know those sorts of issues, at, like, and I know you mentioned Sabanier there, and they're very strong on rehabilitation uh, and remediation uh, as well. But so, how are you presenting? How are you having those conversations at the moment to ensure that? Well, you- yeah, it's it, it's it's been a long term um, process, I and mean, we've been involved heavily for three years in that since we lodged the mining right application. Because part of the mining right process is you must show full and comprehensive in- engagement interaction with your stakeholders and here clearly the communities are the key stakeholders so we are well advanced in that we have a full-time community liaison person who works on that uh, and she's been great uh, we um, have uh, as part of our mining right application we have built a social labor plan which has been ticked off by the local authorities and by the community groups we have 30% plus BE ownership in the company. We have, so there's a lot of things that we do to actually um, continue that process. And in terms of the actual physical position, I think it's also important to appreciate, you know, we're not sitting in the middle of what you would think in, in, in Australia or the UK or the US as a, as a suburb. I mean, what's happened in Johannesburg is you have this mine, the, the run of the reefs runs right through the southern part of what is now Johannesburg. It runs for about 80 kilometres. And in that area where they mine, there's probably a two to three kilometre sort of gap where there's not much at all because that's where all the mine works were and all the, the shafts were. And then you've got where we are, you've got Soweto to the south where a lot of the mine workers were were living and into the north you've, you've got Rudaport. So we sort of, we're close, but we're not right on top of them. You know, we're sitting in a pretty much... Um, old um, 
you know, dilapidated area for mining where we're taking up a 16 hectare footprint and we're going underground. We're not doing anything above the ground. So we're not processing in the area and we're simply mining under them, you know, pretty much. So it's, um, I mean, we're sitting in our particular location about 200 metres from, believe it or not, an explosives factory that we get our explosives from, which is actually running daily explosive tests. We're sitting 50 to 100 metres um, north of a major tailings dam, which must be 20 or 30,000 tonnes, which is blowing dust. You know, we're not in the middle of a kindergarten. You know, we are sort of in a heavily sort of, I suppose you'd say, industrialised area. Uh, so, yes, we do, but we do have in proximity, you know, those sort of groups. So when we, our mining footprint takes up a big area, we have to interact with all those people and we have. So we think we've successfully navigated that. We've sponsored various things, education programs, all sorts of things, as you'd expect. And, and, and so what else, what, what are you waiting for? What's the outstanding piece of paper that you're waiting for, which allows you to move forward on, with regards to that component? Nothing. We, we have the mining right in place. We have the environmental authorization. We have the social labor plan. We're just going for the funding now. That's the, you know, we've, we've got all the, we've ticked all the boxes with respect to the, um, to the regulatory requirements. Okay. So let's come back to the first bit of that question, which was around the sort of uh, scale of the ambition. Um, you've got a base case. First two years, 25,000 ounces a year. By year four, 50,000 ounces a year. Is, is, is there a more aggressive plan coming? There is. And I think this came about because, as I said, we sat down with my MD mining engineer and decided we better build you know, a robust case, which we've done. I mean, engineers, I suppose, as you know, we both know, they're conservative by nature. I suppose that's why they design bridges and things. You know, you don't want them to fall down. So, Yark has built a lot of tolerance into his into his plans. And then those who are more um, market focused on the board, um, including we've got two investment bankers on the board, as non-execs have said, well, you know, you've got a great resource. What else is possible here? So that's why we've gone to this project. So they've been the impetus for that. Yark's been very enthusiastic on it, and we're now working on that. But that's not yet in a study. It's in an internal study. But we, you know, that's what we intend to pursue in the next sort of six months and tell the market what we do, what we think is possible. Right. Okay. I mean, that's the question. You know, the question you ask yourself is, okay, we've got this mine design done, we've got our funding sort of requirements identified, but what if you had more money? What could you do? Now, if you're sitting there on a small resource where you've got a, you know, there's not much you can do. You can just hope that you find some more. We've got the gold. So, you know, that's the other thing we've got, which I might mention. I don't want to sort of go off track here, but. You know, there's a fifth stage of this project that we dropped out of the final plans because the gold was seen to be a bit too marginal. But then we realised we also had uranium in this area. So we've actually, um, in the Bird Reef Central Zone, which we dropped out of the mine, mine, mine plan, we've dusted off the uranium drilling we did some years ago and we've reissued a 12 to 16 million pound uranium um, target under Jork on that. And it's sitting next to the Bird Reef gold bearing uh, reefs, which, which have you know, two and a half, three gram gold and a little bit marginal on its own, but with the uranium, that could, so we're, we're also looking at what we do with that because that could be a whole new project on its own, independent of the gold mine. Yeah, and I, I get the excitement the excitement around uranium uh, at, at the moment and obviously the spot price moving and all sorts of geopolitical shenanigans. Uh, the expectation is it goes higher, but what do you know about that? Because you talk about a 2012 uh, jork on that, I think. So, it, what, what sort of? It didn't go to jork. We we didn't we stopped drilling because I mean Fukushima happened, you know. And we two thousand eleven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and so we didn't go further with it. And to be honest, we left these leases alone for about five years and did other stuff. And 
it was only when the uranium, clearly when the uranium market starts to fire up again last year, I, I was the one who'd been there the whole time. So actually we do have a lot of uranium results. We, we did a study with MSA years ago. So we dusted that off, got the material out, and we're now planning another uh, infill drilling program to put that into an inferred resource. So that's, but we haven't committed to it yet, but that's the plan. We'll put it into a resource and then we'll see, well, does it justify doing more with it? I mean, people forget too, South Africa doesn't produce much uranium at the moment, but it used to produce a hell of a lot of uranium. So um, it's not, again, it's not a, It's in fact, when I first um, inherited these leases, they had uh, nuclear permits on them. You know, they had the radiation permits in place. So it's, um, it's, it's something that we're, it's, we're not just coming and saying, oh, we, we might have uranium. We, we know we do have uranium in the Bird Reef. Um, the Bird Reef further west for us on the old leases we had at Ramfontein, which we don't have anymore, those leases, which have the same structure running through them being this Bird Reef package, they produce 37 million pounds of uranium. You know, right. since the 1950s through to the 1990s. So there's a lot, this is a real uranium area. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Really, 37 million ounces, uh, pounds. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So, 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 sorry, correct myself then. So, there's no, no joke on it. This is just an exploration target. It's, it's, well, it's, it. it's what we call, it's not what we now call in joke an exploration target. So, it's not nothing. You can't release an exploration target unless you have some justification for doing it, it and the geologist has to sign off on it. And that's, so it's not just a, it's not just drilling results, it actually is in a target. Uh, so that means there's got some reasonable uh, expectation that, that it will convert to some sort of resource. Okay, that's interesting. I'd love, love to come back to, to to that one. We've got a big uranium following on here. Um, that, that's always yep. intriguing given what's going on. Just uh, always trying to remember to put the uranium part in because we do have it, but it's not the main. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Hey, well, look, Michael, I'm, I appreciate the overview there. That that's <clears throat> it's kind of interesting, interesting to me um, how you're going about it, the, the 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 model, and obviously you've got some numbers as well, which gives us a sense of what it what it could be as this thing starts to roll out. But um, appreciate your time today. Do come back on and um, keep us up to date with you know how it's progressing, certainly with the funding component um, and, and and the timing of the rest of the plan. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Just to close, a couple of thoughts I wanted to leave you with was, you know, just the, the, the key the key factors in Westbridge or the key things to look at. I mean, one, we're going into production. We've got a DFS that shows us having a 27-year life of mine um, in a great growing gold environment where gold is looking pretty strong. We've got on the same property, we've got a separate uh, uranium target that looks like it could be standalone on its own. Um, we also have an exciting prospect in West Australia with uh, Mount Cecilia in the Patterson Range right next door to Winu, one of the most exciting discoveries in recent times, now being drilled by the people who, who discovered that, Rio, one of the biggest companies in the world. So I think there's a lot to look forward to with West Wits, and I hope you guys keep uh, an eye on us.